Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. If you have your Bibles, you can open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I want to give you, um, I hope you're not nervous about this. Uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous, to be honest with you. Um, so ab- about four months ago, I started seeing some trends in the, the church uh, in the West, particularly in the U.S., and I started making some notes about how people could grow in their discipleship specifically regarding sexuality. Uh, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so I started making some notes on 1 Thessalonians 4, and uh, uh, I, I just can't imagine the planning meeting that happened here at Unite Church when they started looking ahead. Where are we going to be on October 1st? We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 8. What's the subject of that? Sex. Josh, maybe you should do this. No, I don't want to do it. Zach, let's get Zach to do it. No, I don't want to do it. Let's call Marcus. He'll say anything. So that's what happens when you miss a planning meeting right there. So, so here we are. No, the, it's, it's, uh, it was so interesting that when, when uh, Josh told me where we'd be on October the 1st, it was exactly what the Lord had begun putting on my heart at the very first of the summer. And so uh, I am a believing God that he is in this today. And, uh, and I'm excited for, uh, for some of the things that we're going to discover from God's Word together today. Um, I do not know one person who was taught about sex first from Scripture. All of us were taught about sex, or I guess I should say everybody that I know, learned about sex from someplace other than Scripture. So part of what we have to do is unwind what we learned in unholy places and orient ourselves to what God has to say about about something that is so important. And, and, and I want you to know that today I'm going to do my best to be faithful to the text. That at the end of the day today that we're going to wind up with hope in God regarding a very, very difficult thing. And, and, and my biggest concern today are for those that are here who have a callous heart. That's my biggest concern. Because so many people have a callous heart to the things of God and they think to themselves, I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm not really open to input, no matter where it comes from. And if that's you, your sex life is going to lead you to some very, very, very dark places. You see, your your sex drive came from God. And I'm going to explain that in just a moment. 
But if it's not brought in submission to Jesus, it can kill you. In fact, I have a friend that I grew up with who died at the age of 30 because of sexual sin. Okay? So let me just say, there's not a person in the room, adult, who hasn't sinned sexually. Either in your, with your body or with your mind. Every one of us are on a level playing field when it comes to this topic. So what I'm asking us to do together is turn our attention and our affection to God. Um, one of the descriptions of our culture is a hookup culture. And statistically, fewer college students than ever in history are not dating. They're hooking up. But they're not in relationship. And it's come to characterize an entire demographic in our culture. And in fact, our culture has become schizophrenic regarding sex. Because our culture, our culture says sex is nothing, and yet sex is everything. We, we even say casual sex, and then it's all we think about. And can I just tell you today, there is no such thing as casual sex. There's no such thing. God's people would be wise to stop and ask, why did God create this in the first place? That's the real question for God's people. When, uh, when I was in seminary, I, I read a book by a, a, a theologian named, named Alistair, Alistair McIntyre. He wrote a book called After Virtue. And he said in this book that, that everything about the ways that people live and make decisions will be a product of the... the the umbrella of thought or their, their major world view and understanding. And here's what he said. There are three ways of seeing everything in life. Secular, shame-based, and sacred. Now let me tell you why this is so important. Because if, if you have a secular mindset then everything you do comes out of that mindset. And a secular mindset says this, nobody identifies me, I identify me. I'm going to relocate the authority to define my life to me. And I won't let anybody tell me who I am or what I should do. And, and part of the reason why is because of abuse of authority. All right, most, most of us in here don't have a problem with authority. We have a problem with the abuse of authority. And so the, the thinking is, well, pastors and politicians just want my money. And so they're out to control me. And I'm not going to allow anybody to control me. And so life is defined by rights. 
And if your rights infringe on my rights, my rights will trump yours. I will get my way before I let you have your way. This is a secular way of thinking. Okay, so it comes down to I define me, and it's all about rights. And if you live this way, the scripture is nothing more than sociology. It's just sociology. It's just guidelines for life. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then move on and do it yourself. It's a secular way of, of thinking. The second based it, it, way of thinking is shame-based. And everything we do, if you, if you live under a shame-based way of thinking, everything you do is done for approval. Including sex. It's done for approval. And so the idea is, is that people are beat down and traded. You do what I want and I'll give you my approval, my money, whatever that is. And so if, if and, and, and a lot of churches teach this. It's not godly. But a lot of churches teach this. And, and here's, here's how you know if you live in a shame-based reality. Is that, is that if someone you know falls sexually, if they're a female, they failed. If they're a male, yeah, they're struggling. Two, two totally different ways. Yeah, guys, guys all struggle with that. Females, now, girls, they fall. And it's a shame-based view of life, relationship. And in a shame-based culture, Christians are taught to not have sex because you'll feel bad later. So is that really our call to holiness? So that I don't feel bad at some point down the road? Shame-based. The third is sacred. And it's led by formation. It's, we're, 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 we're growing into this. We have faith that, that God created all things, including sex, for a purpose. And that if I engage God over all these things, that his favor and power and love will undergird me and he'll take me where he wants me to go. But it's, it's faith to say God identifies me. God tells me who I am, and God tells me how I live because he loves me. He's not trying to control or shame or, or anything else. He's trying to get me to fullness as he is you. And so here's the hard thing. Yes, there have to be limits to everything. 
But if our discipleship does not reach every point of our life, we become truncated or, or we stop short of the fullness that God created us for. And so if, if the love of God and the word of God don't reach my money, I'm going to suffer financially. If the love of God and the, and the word of God doesn't reach my marriage, my marriage is going to suffer. And if the love of God and the word of God do not reach you and me sexually, we are going to suffer. And God doesn't want you to suffer that way. And so the things we're about to read, you must understand, this is not to shame and control you. It's to get you to where God wants you to be in the fullness of His Spirit, full grown in Jesus, big on the inside, and not stopped short of all that he has for you. So, so let me just say as we read this, Augustine said that if you accept what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not God you believe but yourself. Okay? So, so I'm, I'm asking you to receive this word in the love that God intends for you to receive it. Again, not as an attempt to control, but an attempt to get you to the fullness of God, to live, to live out all of your days on the earth. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, and let's read together, beginning in verse 1. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. So, so Paul is preaching here to an actual church. And he was there with them for many years and he got expelled by persecution. And so this is like an email. He's sending an email back to say, hey, here's some things that I need you to remember. And so this little book is five chapters long, but this is what Paul does in all 13 of the books that he writes in the New Testament. He does theology, then practice. It's always this way. Theology, then practice. In Ephesians, it's 3 and 3. In Romans, it's 11 and 5. But here, it's, it's, it's almost half. The first three chapters of 1 Thessalonians are theology. He's giving you a foundation 
for living in God. And then he's going to tell you how this plays out in your life. Okay, so here's what he's about to say. In the next two chapters, based on theology, what do you do about sex? What do you do about death? And what do you do about work? That's what he's about to talk about. So if the Bible, if somebody ever tells you the Bible just doesn't seem applicable in a modern day, he's going to talk about sex, he's going to talk about death, and he's going to talk about work. Anybody in Anchorage ever think about sex, death, and work? Anybody besides me? I think about these things, okay? It may not apply to you, but sure enough applies to me. So if you don't have a why, then all the Bible does is just say, do this and stop doing that. And so he roots everything he's about to say in a why. Here's what he says in verse 1. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you're living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of of the Lord Jesus. He roots his authority in the why. It's instructions in the Lord Jesus. Now, here's here's why this is so important. Because if you don't have a, a real knowledge of how much you are loved in heaven, then the scripture just becomes this binding Uh, And God says, you can't live that way. You're going to go to hell. I've been in one of those churches. Don't want to go back. Okay? Because that's not who God is. He's not saying you just do your best and then we'll see if you go to heaven. Do Do you realize... That Jesus did not die to get you to heaven. He died to get you to God. That's why the life you currently live is called eternal life. And it's the reason why death is described as a sting. Where's your sting? You ever been stung by a wasp? It's not pleasant. It's not fun. It doesn't really hurt. It does a little. It's a sting. An ant. Okay, it's just not here, not in Alaska. Well, I should have brought some. We've got a couple in my backyard. I've got some fire ants, and if you walk out there barefooted, it's a. St- but but listen, that's all it is. You 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 right now are connected to God because of Jesus. Now here's the point. He's not trying to control you with that. He's trying to say, in light of the love that you've been shown, what if you turned your heart to Him and said, God, in light of what you've done for me, I I can't get to heaven without Jesus. Jesus made a way, you could ask me 
to do anything you want? My answer is yes. My heart is so grateful to God. I'm not afraid of hell. I'm grateful. And that's where he roots this entire uh, call to holiness. Is, look, look what he's done for you. And I'm telling you that Satan will use anything he can to try to disrupt you from God. He'll use money, he'll use power, and he'll use sex. Because it works. And I'm telling you, our culture is the most sexually broken culture in the history of mankind. And the reason why is because we haven't really listened to God. And what Satan is going to do is make you think that God is holding out on you. So if God's holding out on you, the, 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 the response is, I'm just going to do it however I want then. Why should I say no to pleasure that's available? I'm going to have as much sex as I can with as many different people as I can. And I'm just going to have to trust the grace of God in that because that's how I want to live. And you don't have to look very far to see an entire culture living that way in misery. They're miserable. I'm telling you as a pastor, it's, it's probably the greatest brokenness that I've helped people walk through is sexual in, in its orientation. It harms people. And so the limits God calls us to are to protect us, not to keep us from fun. He's trying to to prolong the joy in our lives. So what if we just decided to trust God? Life doesn't have to go that way. But it does require a sexual ethic that's based in the Word of God. And, and let, me also, let me also say this. Some people submit to authority out of fear of consequence. But Jesus is not, not a tyrant. He's not threatening you with anything. But Paul says, by the authority of the Lord Jesus, his motivation is love, not control. And it's very, very important that we start there. He is not a tyrant. We've all encountered abuses of authority. But he's not like that. So... Verse 3, read verse 3 with me. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So here's, here's the process of growth. Avoid sexual immorality and learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and and honorable. And then he contrasts it with this, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. So what you see is the key to freedom there. The key to sexual brokenness is knowing God. The the, the key to any kind of freedom 
sexual or financial or anything is knowing God. And so that's why he highlights it here the way that he does. Pagan sexuality is pleasure, passion, and lust. And, and let me tell you something. If we become subject to our pleasures rather than self-controlled, it'll destroy you. In any area of your life, it'll destroy you. Some people say, well, I'm just, I'm just living my life my way. No, they're actually under the control of their desires. They don't have control of their own body. And they're shoved around by what they want. And so the secret of sexual purity is knowing God. Not facts about God. But the person. The love. And so if you're struggling with addiction to pornography or imaginations or lust, here is your freedom. Knowing God. Look at verse 4 with me. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And, and notice also verse 6, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. So, so here's, here's an interesting, this, this little Greek word, to take advantage of someone sexually, and we're not talking about sexual abuse here, okay? We're just talking about two consenting adults. That's what this is talking about. But this little Greek word here means defraud, means to fraud someone. Now, how is it fraud when two people hook up? Because what you're saying is, I want your body, but I don't want your opinion. I want your body, but I don't want your family. I want your body, I don't want your debt. I love you enough to have sex with you, but not enough to give up my options. I'm going to keep my options open. And so Paul calls that fraud. And the reason why is because sex is literally entering someone else's body. There's an embrace, a release, affection. But if there's no relationship, you're only there for what you can take. And that violates everything the Bible teaches us about love. God so loved the world that he... And that's the nature of your love and mine as well. And so God calls it fraud. And at the end of the day, it's, it's just it's deception because it's stealing what morally belongs to someone else. 
It says to God, I don't care if I sin against you and I don't care that I'm helping another person sin against you either. And you might say, but what if both are consenting adults? It's to miss the point. Why did God create sex in the first place? It wasn't just for procreation. But if it ever controls you, it can kill you. I want you to look at verse 6, about halfway through. We could get the band to come on up. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we've already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, again, if you're in a shame-based view of reality, what you hear here is a threat. If you have a sacred view of reality, what you hear here is he's given you his Holy Spirit. Can we get the band to come up? Are they coming? So, he's given you his Holy Spirit. Here's what that means. And some of you you today would say, Pastor, you just don't know how much I've sinned this way. And I just, I don't see how I can do this. He's given you his spirit. That's how you do it. And some of you would say today, I've sinned so much. I've lived with people. I can't remember how many partners I've had. It's been difficult. And there's no way God can forgive me for all of this. You don't understand the love of God. Because when he comes to give you his Holy Spirit, he is, he is inviting you to himself to say, if, if you can sin so great that God can't forgive you, that makes you greater than God. And you're not. So he is offering today And again, it's a level playing field. Everybody in the room has sinned with their body. Okay? Level playing field. So so who's to say whose is worse? The, The real question is, is the blood of Jesus enough? That's the question you've got to answer. And I have found it to be enough. I have found it to be enough. And so some of you need to make a response today to the Lord. And I understand, you know, I ain't going down there after that. 
I get that. I get it. You know, come to the front, get prayer. I get it. But but here here's here's what here's what's on the table today. That there is redemption, forgiveness, freedom, power, and joy. And that's why he gave you his spirit. And so let me let me tell you how I know whether I need to get prayer for something or not. Okay? So if 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 I can go home, pray through whatever it is, and then have lunch, take a nap, enjoy my day. I, that's just what Christians do. It's life before it's life in Jesus. I lean into him every day, moment by moment. But if what I'm dealing with today is going to keep me awake tonight, you need to know that there's power in other Christians coming alongside and praying for you. And so we're going to, let's, let's call the prayer team to the front. If you're on the prayer team, if you could go ahead and make your way down. And we're going to open the altar. And we're just going to we're just going to linger in the presence of God for a few minutes. And if if what it is that you're struggling with is going to keep you awake tonight, look, it doesn't even have to be sexual. You may be struggling with with what Josh said about finances, and you're like. I have a heart to tithe, but I don't see if I can make it work in my budget. Then you need prayer. So we're going to open the altar. We're just going to open our hearts to the Lord. We're going to worship, and we're going to linger for a few minutes. And if you need prayer for any reason, the altar is open and you can come. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.